Welcome back to Needed Conversations with Ryan and Victoria Cole. So glad that you joined us for another important conversation this week. Yep, we're in this awesome series called Image, and we're talking about identity. And if you missed any of the the previous episodes, you're going to want to go back and listen to it because it really laid a foundation for everything that we're discussing as it relates to identity men and women what our role in society is and what the prophetic implications are for this particular year why 2023 is identity this resounding issue that we're going to have to confront not just people in the world we as believers are going to have to confront it as well i think so oftentimes it's easy to point our fingers at people outside of the church and say oh no they're struggling with their identity but Even us inside of the house, there's two sons in the story of the prodigal son. You know, the one inside of the house was struggling with his identity and that spirit of an orphan in as much as the one who took his riches and squandered it. So this has been a really fascinating conversation. But before we jump in, Victoria, why don't you tell them where to follow us and find us? You can follow us on social media. So you, one of the best places to find us is on Instagram and the page is called at more most forever. We post quite a bit of encouraging content, whether it's funny, real, or maybe a serious reel, or maybe just a nice inspirational quote with a great caption that will just kind of keep you motivated throughout the week. Maybe encourage you to take out your spouse on a date, continue to pursue one another and also date God's way. But you can also find us on our website and we have wide range of resources from books to ebooks to e-courses. Also us, you can schedule a coaching session with us via in-person or virtual by going to moremostforever.com. And don't forget, we are also a nonprofit organization. Our ministry is called Empowered Culture ministry and we cannot do this without your support and we have a great vision for 2023 and we would love for you guys to partner with us it doesn't matter how small or how big we appreciate any help because that really helps us to pump out more content whether it's doing podcasts you know also sponsoring a couple and you know just doing all these things throughout this year it's going to really help us to fulfill that which we have put on the calendar to do this year. So be sure to join us by donating at moremostforever.com. Yeah, so I want to jump right into the conversation because we have a lot to cover today. Yes. You know, we're getting a little bit more specific with our conversations on identity. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about the men. What is a man? What makes up a man? And what is the role of men in our society, what are the biblical roles? What are the biological roles? And then what are these historical and cultural roles that I think is at the core of what we are wrestling with in society right now? And then we're going to do something really interesting. We've done this on past episodes and I've enjoyed it. We're going to look at a panel. And interestingly enough, it was just released a few days ago. Vice on YouTube does does these panels and then they do all sorts of like commentary where they bring people from a wide range of backgrounds to discuss some of these more controversial topics. So they gathered together all different kinds of men. And we're talking about the extreme versions, whether that be this hyper masculine style man or what we view as hyper masculine And then all the way to the other side, you know, there was somebody on the panel who was self-described as gender non-conforming or non-binary. And we're going to listen to kind of what their definitions of what it means to be a man is and give our commentary on that. And then let's talk about what the Bible says about what a role of a man is. Now, I believe this conversation in particular is very important because I think that we've reached a critical point in the transition of our society as we have empowered women in a lot of productive ways. Women should have been empowered all along and the right to vote, given opportunity for education, career advancement, all of those sorts of things. And we've talked about this before, 
that in our endeavor to empower those women, we have to be very careful about demonizing men and masculinity in the same breath. Because although I believe that men and women have equal weight and authority in terms of our value and what God wants us to accomplish, especially as that relates to the cooperation of maleness and femaleness in the earth, as we mentioned last week, I believe that men and women also have distinct roles that we're called to play in society. And I don't think that that makes us greater than or less than. I just simply mean, it simply means that that is what is built within our framework to become. We have that potential inside of us to become either that male side or that female side. Now, there are a lot of stereotypes when it comes to masculinity and femininity, and we're going to break those some of those down. But ultimately, I believe that men over the last decade or two decades have been demonized in a lot of ways. And also, we have a fatherless generation that we've had to grapple with. And even those who may have had fathers present in the home didn't have the type of relationship with their father that would have shaped them in their masculinity. And so there was a lot of deficiencies that we've been trying to overcome as men in society on top of, you know, having to watch what we say, what we do. And this is in no way to discredit the work of empowering women. Again, I think that there is prop, there is good and, and productive things that we have done to empower women. But also, again, we can't diminish the beautiful, unique roles that a woman plays outside of her ability to compete with a man, which I think we always scale down empowering women to competing with men. And I think that women who are housewives, who play a more traditional role, can be just as empowered, if not more empowered, than a woman who is slaving away, working at her career to get to the top of this pyramid of success. So, Victoria, jump in. Yeah, I think in our society or in the world, I think what we see is just this pendulum that swings to the extreme. So it just goes from, you know, this oppression happened for these people and now we're going to take it to the way extreme. And then it comes at the expense of stepping over or or on top of people in order to elevate another group of people. But there has to be a better way of us finding that balance. And I think it's just, again, goes back to the conversation that we started at the beginning of the series on identity. It's because we don't know who we are. So we tend to try to say, well, I can be as masculine as you and I can do everything that you can instead of saying, what are the strengths that God has placed in me and what God has called me to do? And I don't have to compete. I don't have to compete with a man. I don't have to compete with a woman because I am unique individual. And so I think for us as a church, we have a privilege of understanding that because, you know, if we are submitted to the will of the Father, then we'll have an understanding that, you know, it's not, I I guess it's not what we want to accomplish in this world, but what the Lord wants to accomplish through us and for his kingdom. And so if we're submitted to that, then I think our priorities are not to try to step over somebody or step on top of somebody in order to be elevated as it says in the Bible about becoming a leader. You know, if you do want to be above everybody else, God calls you to be that servant, you know, just like Jesus did. He washed his disciples' feet. But I think in the society, you know, in the world, it tells you the opposite, that in order for you to be at the top, you know, you just step on top of people instead of actually serving. So it's completely opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. Which I think is where we get these stereotypes of masculinity or now what people have called toxic masculinity, is because men have been fashioned to believe that their maleness and how how masculine they are is in how dominant they can be, whether that be physically or how you can control your woman. Mm-hmm. And all of these misnomers about what the Bible says a man of God is supposed to look like, which is what you described is a servant leader. I mean, yeah. look at Jesus. He didn't he didn't necessarily play to these more traditional stereotypes when it comes to men. I mean, look, you had Peter 
who I think well defined this mm-hmm. sort of bravado that a lot of men have, you know, this unrestrained anger or this unrestrained passion, wildness about him. I mean, to the degree that he was very protective of Jesus, and I think it served him well. And I think that that side of us as men is is important. But I think it's about knowing restraint, and that can be stronger than you stepping in to use brute force because you feel like you have to show this aggression. Because mm-hmm. Peter chopped off the ear of the soldier that tried to take Jesus into custody, and Jesus is like, no. That aggression is going to serve you well in some other time, but let me heal this ear for right now. And Jesus healed the ear of the soldier. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. And so he showed sort of this anti-masculine nature, but in in actuality, that wasn't, that wasn't to, but in actuality, Jesus was just as masculine as Peter was. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that the role of men in society is of great importance. Men are natural leaders, natural providers, and we have this driving force inside of us to want to do those things. And God uniquely shaped us, even down to the biolog- to, to our biology, in order to protect and defend our families and our communities. Men are biologically stronger as a whole than women are. And, and when we say phrases like this, we're not also saying that there aren't exceptions to the rule. There are some women that are stronger than some men, yeah. but by and large, men are physically stronger. It's it's in our hormone levels, you know, t- testosterone. testosterone. Yeah. But then even I heard the other day as someone like James C- Cameron was demonizing testosterone as this poison that needs to be extracted from the body. Those of you who don't know who James Cameron is by name, he's the director of Avatar, Titanic, Terminator, which is like, it seems to be like the masculine masculine movie. movie. Mm. But then he came out with this statement, which is so, so wrong, not just psychologically or philosophically, but scientifically as well. In fact, women have higher testosterone than estrogen in their body. But what makes them unique is that they have more estrogen than men have estrogen. And so testosterone is flowing through both of us. It's just more dominant in men than it is in women. And it isn't a poison, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like I said before, like, it just seems like in society, we swing this pendulum, like, from one side to the other. And I think that we cannot, like, discredit the past and why the men had to be the way they were. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think that we demonize patriarchy and, you know, this macho man, because men actually had to do that. They had to defend their family. They had to protect their children, their wives. They had to, you know, physically be strong. And women were just naturally in home and and they were, you know, delivering babies. They were raising babies. They were teaching babies. They were doing laundry. Up until a couple hundred years ago, it was very the way that humans live. Yeah. But I just don't think that we can discredit that. And of course, that's why we have the byproduct of the next following generation, because that's how they grew up. So I can't say that today we have to look at this and demonize how somebody was raised, because during that time, it was necessary. It's just like us parents, you know, like our kids are probably going to grow up and say to themselves, why did our parents do certain things that they did? Like, do they not know better? We know the best we know what our to kids do. are going to say that. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't demonize a specific situation because, you know, society progresses. Maybe we'll have the right conversations over time, but you just cannot demonize the past. You can only move forward and you can't be doing this at the expense of stepping over or on top of somebody in order to elevate you. Uh, Context another, is everything. Another gender. Yeah, for sure. I think that we get, we as a society right now are obsessed with going back, you know, 20, 30, 100 years and looking at people and judging them based on, based on our modern standards, right? If we were to pull if we were to pull out a time machine and go back to the stone age, man, we would think it was very a very barbaric way of living. And to be honest, the vast majority of us would not survive because yeah. we don't have those because kind of tactile barbaric. skills. 
But then That's now, just how it was. because of technology, because of in that uh, enabling women to play different roles in society, uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. We're facing an identity crisis among men. Men feel lost. We feel unsure of our place in the world, how to have a meaningful life, how to date, how to find a wife. And this is all in part because of societal changes and also including the erosion of traditional gender roles that we have demonized and the loss of a sense of purpose and direction. Even when it comes to our work, I think one of the main differences between men and women is that men are more assertive. And we're more goal-oriented. I think that this is a positive thing. And again, it's not that women can't be assertive and goal-oriented, but I think it's just naturally a part of us more so than women. But that assertiveness can also lead to problems if we don't know how to deal with conflict, if we don't know how to properly harness anger and those passions that, that flow through our veins, you know. And then, of course, men have unique struggles that women don't have. It's no coincidence that the vast majority of uh, mass shooters are men. And then you also talk about domestic violence. There are more men incarcerated than women. You know, we handle conflict in different ways. Uh, There are psychologists that have studied the behaviors of men and women, and men are more likely to use physical aggression, and women are more likely to use psychological aggression. Those are just different parts of our temperaments. You know, Dr. Caroline Leaf talks specifically about the the difference between the male brain and the female brain. And there are biological differences, electrical firings that are different between men and women. Even the size and the shape of our brains are, are, are different. And I love how she describes it. It's not that we both don't end up at the same place. It's that our journey there is different. So whether that be relationships or career, we both can find success in both. But I think it's how we approach it that distinguishes us as as unique genders. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So I want to jump into this Vice video and watch a little bit. Just the intro. You can go on and watch it. And I will preface this by saying that Vice is, they have their biases. And from what I understand, these panels are taken from hours of conversation and they whittle it down to like 43 minutes. And we're of course not going to listen to all of that, but we're going to listen to the intro parts because each guy is introduced and then sort of their take on, on what it means to be a man. They, they give their first initial description. So let's see what some of these men are saying and go from there. To start, maybe we could just introduce each other to each other, and if you were to describe what it means to be a man or to be masculine. Uh, My name is Tahoe. I'm a black man from the hood. When I was young, being a man, you had to be tough. You had to be hard. And now, to me, being a man is a lot different. Now, to me, being a man is knowing when to be soft, knowing that you don't always have to run the charge. You can actually listen, you know what I mean? So things have changed a lot over the course of the years for me. So this first guy, I think he represents the average man. He's middle of the road. He, you can tell throughout the course of this conversation, if you watch this whole panel, is that there are times when he leans into like sort of the traditional ideals of masculinity, and then he'll lean back and he'll start defending some of these new gender ideologies and and that sort of thing. I'm not sure what his proclaimed sexuality is or what his background is, but I can just tell it in his voice and the way that he described his upbringing is that, you know, he didn't have that father figure in his life. And I think he struggles, as most men do, with sort of these stereotypical things that we are taught in the in the men culture, mm-hmm. even that women may not recognize is going on. And it is wrong. Right. The whole like. Shut up and don't cry, you know, don't be a wimp, those sorts of things, when I think it's important that men have the opportunity to show emotion. And so I think he represents a vast majority of men who say I, I, I can. I can relate to some of these ideals of masculinity, but at the same time, I've been hurt 
by some of the stereotypes of masculinity as well. Yeah, I feel like, too, like it depends on what kind of generation raised you to, because it kind of seems to be a common thread of, you know, the baby boomers and what they told their kids, you know, about not crying, not being a wimp, you know, brush it off. Don't express your feelings. I mean, they didn't really say it that way, but that's kind of what it comes across as. So sometimes I feel like it's probably stems from the generation that raised you. And then the generation that you're stepping into or seeing kind of upcoming, you're like, hmm, that's kind of interesting because I was raised that way. But I do see the importance of being soft and being attentive and being a listener that I don't have to be strong all the time, as I was told. But, you know, I... I wrestle with this too. And we have a son, Tobias. And yes, he's only four years old, but he's, uh, you know, I've already had to, you know, get in his face a few times Mm -hmm. about how he displays aggression and frustration. And I think it's important that me as another man get in his face and say, let's help you to channel this out. You're not going to take this out on your mom. You're not going to take this out on your sister but you're going to be able to make a wise decision. But I'm not going to demonize that aggression either because there could be a time when that aggression is necessary, that force, right? I mean, the Bible says to be angry, but sin not. Mm. And so Jesus as well showed a lot of anger when he went in and threw over the tables in the temple where they were buying and selling and broke out a whip and started hitting people with it. I mean, if that doesn't tell you something about some pent up anger, you know, I don't, I don't know what does. And so we have to teach our boys to be strong when necessary, but also, you know, how to restrain and, and use your words and be emotionally intelligent. So I'm Griffin and I don't identify as a man. Um, I'm non-binary. I still have elements of, you know, my identity that are masculine elements that are feminine elements that don't fall within that range. And I, I personally just don't feel tied to like the, the norms or the confines of gender at all. Okay. So this, this guy is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum as it relates to maleness, mm-hmm. right? He's sitting there wearing female clothes, but presents masculine. He's got a rough and tumbly voice, but he says, I'm non-binary. And you know what I find fascinating about him and those who share his perspective is that, and we all can do this, but especially these people who have this type of ideology, there's a lot of contradictions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't believe in the stereotypical, but then later on, you're going to see him weigh into the conversation. One of the guys talks about how hard it is for men to date, that you can throw down $150 on a first date and be ghosted and then you're you're taken advantage of in all of these ways and then he speaks up and he says you know well a woman has to be concerned every time she goes out on a date as to whether or not she's going to be murdered so i say that that's not an even trade and it's like oh so you say women women have a unique experience then i thought you know so it's very contradictory the way he believes yeah i guess my issue with that too is what you were saying is just interesting because it sounds fluid and it sounds oh that's nice you know you're very accepting of everybody else but throughout this whole video there was a lot of issues that this person had with somebody else's like opinion i guess about what male maleness meant even to the point there was another man that was a little bit more flamboyant i'm assuming he's probably into men but he was saying how even him not having a dad in his you know, life affected him. And he sees that importance, which is very interesting to hear. And the other guy says, well, this, this person right here says, well, you know, I don't believe into this. I don't read into these daddy issue stuff. And he was like, well, congr- congratulations. And I was thinking, they about had myself, a little back and forth. Yeah. That's so interesting though. Like you say that, you know, everybody's story is valid and everybody's way of life and thinking should be accepted but then if some you hear a conflicting one that you don't personally believe you make it very vocal so that's a little contradictory to me i mean i try to sit and understand that perspective it doesn't come off as logical at all it doesn't recognize our biological differences it doesn't recognize the 
countless decades of psychological evidence, like from psychology, these experiments and these, you know, studies of group behaviors in, in all different cultures and and sort of these common threads that run throughout masculine and masculinity and femininity. So and then it just throws it off to the side as if, you know, gender is something that can be eliminated altogether when and, and then in, in the same breath you still attribute things to women or men. I, I just it's confusing to me, but I think it's important for us to listen to people. Because there is people that live this way and Oh absolutely and they that that to them makes sense. So I think it's important to hear that out. We know from a biblical worldview what our position is, but it's important for us to understand. Let's go on. Uh, my name is Dylan, and I think that the notion of masculinity is just some, is something that can be possessed by man or woman, man, woman, non-gender conforming person. What it means to be masculine is just like, you know, changing and like very fluid. Um, but I think that, you know, masculinity is something that just, you know, like you embody based off of just like how you show up in this world as a man and just, and just like, you know, how you go about being your day to day. How you show up. So he falls closer to this other guy, a, a more liberal perspective on the idea of masculinity which is surprising to me because he later on he goes on to say he's like a first-generation American. He's Guyanese. So typically those immigrants have a more traditional view of sexuality. But then again, he, he could have been hurt by some of these stereotypical masculine traits. I'm not sure what his, his raising was, but ultimately he wavers back and forth a little bit too. What's up, guys? My name is Paul. I'm a fitness entrepreneur. Uh, I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was four years old with my family. It's kind of funny how we're talking about it. My take on masculinity is, is not about talking as much as doing. I think at its, at its core, a man has to be efficient, competent, and be willing to do what it takes for, for themselves and their, and their loved ones. So he, he's a personal trainer, and he does hold a more traditional view of masculinity as you hear him talk. And he is kind of like the opposite of this other guy He's sort of a first-generation American, too, but he came here when he was four. So he still held on to those traditional values from his parents, as so it seems. Plus, he's into the fitness industry and all of I don't think he's able to describe his position well. I think he just recognized sort of the, the lack of logic when it comes to certain gender ideologies. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think he brings up it's something good. Both of these who come from you know immigrant backgrounds is that they tend to view masculinity as a, a changing definition, mm -hmm. like that it's possible that masculinity can be redefined. I don't believe that at all. I think masculinity is what it is, and we can mistake it for something else. We can attribute all of these toxic traits to masculinity, but when it comes down to it, masculinity in and of itself isn't toxic, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was not always a good man. I was not always what you would call a healthy masculine man. And so as my life has changed, I've identified five points that I think make a truly masculine man masculine. Okay. I think point number one is a man who walks with God. Point number two is a man who stands on principle. Point number three, which is a masculine man, is self-sacrificing. So someone who is willing to sacrifice for point four, the people that he leads, a true man is a leader. And number five, a masculine man is never a coward. That's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, let's get into that as we go yeah. on. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate this guy. I really do. I think in the in those kind of spaces and conversation, like in those kind of rooms, I think it's important to talk about God, but I think it's also important to, I don't know, bring it down to like not only just talking about God to these people because I think that they're not really receptive. I think. Well, if somebody's an atheist, I mean. I mean, you could right away just yeah. saw a couple of faces. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a debating you know? strategy. You're debating based on authority. So that's a debating strategy. But if you don't share the same authority as someone else, then. I mean, then it just feels like, oh, it's just something that you believe. Who cares? It's just like not relevant to what the society's going through. I mean, I'm for it. I really am. But yeah, obviously, we stand kind of with room, his position. Yeah, for sure. When you're in this kind of room and you're talking to all kinds of people from different backgrounds, I think you have to have valid points, not just like God. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I think he he branched out later on yeah, in, in the episode. And I think it's probably because he was sitting there as he was listening to everybody else's perspective. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. It's like And those five points he gave were totally like yeah. they're in alignment with what we're we we say all the yeah. time about yeah, what sure. masculinity is. Yeah. I appreciated him. I just think that when you are in this kind of room, that's it you have to be kind of um you have to choose your words wisely and I think try to approach it in a different way before just, you know, flat out saying, this is what I believe and this is how it's supposed to be. That's Although what it comes I will, as. I will be an advocate for him in saying that I don't think that the purpose of this panel was a debate. Yeah. I think this is purpose of this panel was to show the varying opinions of masculinity from men of all walks of life right and what so people that's what our, he believes in our society in general thing that was what he was explicitly asked yeah for sure and that's what he believes yeah. and i and i obviously we believe the same yeah i would invite him on our podcast i sure, mean he yeah. has the same you're being a little rough on him no i'm not when i first heard it i like I appreciate him, but I just think for the sake of being in this room, it's not that I'm ashamed of saying it. I'm just, I think for us as a church, we have to learn to be very eloquent to walking to those spaces without even mentioning God, that we would attract people with the principles that we live by. I agree. That's what I feel like that they, you know, would attract actually to them. Like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people that are hurt by religion, by God, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be vocal about what you believe and, you know, what you profess, but I think approaching it in this way, I just don't know if that's going to be as effective of a... I think it was very effective, honey. Wow. And I agree that... That's just my... (laughs) I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that you can state what you believe from a religious perspective and that that shapes, and I love what he was pointing out with, a lot of times people look at Christians or this religious view of masculinity, and they attribute all of these horrible, toxic qualities. And what he is saying, I don't see that version of masculinity in the Bible that I read. The version of masculinity that I see is a, is a servant, mm-hmm. is someone who sacrifices and lays down his life and, and does all of these things. He's he's reclaiming, so to speak, for the culture of Christianity to say, no, don't attribute those evil, toxic things to us because, no, we have the answer and the solution. I think what would serve him well is to bring in some more mainstream, rational arguments, maybe even some scientific evidence to be able to support his claims, which I don't think he was as equipped to do. Well, uh, my name is James Killen, uh, former United States Marine turned Air Force officer. Uh, got a couple combat tours, um, but I'm also a father of three girls um, who mellowed me out. The idea of, of masculinity is something that I find interesting because it is changing, uh, and I can actually see those changes in myself. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, why I wanted to do this panel. Thanks for your service. Yeah, so he has an interesting perspective because I think deep down, he adheres to some of these more traditional masculine, uh, you know, roles and and all that. But I think he has had three daughters, and that changes you some. And I think he has also come through war and PTSD, and and I think his view on masculinity has changed. I think out of all of them, he's probably the most well reasoned and mm-hmm. intellectual. The other guy that we agree with, like you said, comes more from a religious perspective, but this guy here is got a well-reasoned position, I think. What I think he say? probably shows, you know, he really does show that, you know, I think we do need the masculine side mm-hmm. because it's it's necessary. And he's talking about from a perspective of, hey, when push comes to shove, you know, we need to be able to defend. So we need that anger and it needs to be channeled in the right place. But then we also need to be you know, channeling that anger in a different way, especially, you know, when it comes to dealing with PTSD or, you know, having girls that you're raising, you're not raising men. So that's a different, the whole different approach. So I think that was a a good perspective. Mm -hmm. Andre. Hey, what's up? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, men, 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 men. Uh, I think uh, my idea of a real man is, uh, you know, someone that gets the job done, 
you know, and um, provides and all that. I don't even know what that means anymore, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's changing every day. How do you think it's changing? No, it just seems like everything is changing every day. It's like a new world order, you know, so I don't, uh, I have a hard time keeping up with stuff, so I feel like tomorrow it's gonna be something else and people are gonna comment and be like, you're wrong, it's, it's this now. <laughs> but it's hard to talk about some of this stuff because you feel like you might say the wrong thing. I'm not really masculine myself, so I can't. I feel like I'm like the wrong person to ask. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that he is the average confused millennial slash Gen Zer. Mm -hmm. All day the long. The first guy yeah. represents an older generation version of him who I think he's lived a little bit longer. And so he, yeah. he, he he's well articulating the struggle. This guy here that just spoke is just like, man, I don't want to open my mouth because if I say the wrong thing, I could be right now, but I could be wrong tomorrow because everybody's opinion about this is changing. And then okay. I think he was the realist. And it is. It sounds very true. That's why I laugh because people are just confused as to like what I don't really know anymore. Like what am I supposed to do? Because there's so many, I, I don't know. It's like the pendulum has swung so many different ways. It's like I don't know what it is today. And he's he's really he's right to believe to to feel that way. And I think a lot of people are frustrated like yeah. that. So uh, this last guy is the one that you were referencing earlier. And actually, I do believe that he says that he's gay, and okay. he's a conservative. His okay. dad is actually Herschel Walker, who ran in Georgia. Oh wow! And okay. lost the Senate race, but this is him. What it means to be a man is to be a adult human male. That's sort of a very formal definition, but I think that might be a good place to. Okay, so he gave a conservative talking point, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think he was dealing with the issue of, you know, we can't even have these conversation about what masculinity is if we don't first recognize, you know, the fact that there are biological differences in what is a man, a man is a biological male yeah. with a certain set of chromosomes that is different from that of a female, as well as genitalia, as well as other distinguishable biological features. And so that's why right off the bat, he and the one who claims to be non-binary clash, right yeah, they have the conflict, yeah. right? So I would encourage you to go listen to this. I think it's, it's eye opening, but it does give you, a, a good picture of the the vast struggle that men are going through in one way or the other. And obviously we do believe that the Bible is the answer and that it gives us, you know, this pathway to masculinity that isn't toxic, that isn't self-serving, but the Bible teaches that men are to lead and provide for their families, to love and serve their wives and to exercise spiritual leadership in the home and in the community. So if you're looking for a biblical model for masculinity, the first place to look is Jesus. And even though he didn't have a wife when he was here on earth, we as the church collectively are the bride of Christ. And so the way that he is positioned to us collectively is a reflection of how we as men are supposed to be acting in society. And as we've talked about what makes a man and what makes a woman, it's in our capacity to become husband or wife. And that's what's reflected in the Genesis account is like, you know, God didn't pull a woman out of a man necessarily. He pulled a wife out of a husband because technically we are both in kind, but the distinguishable parts about us are the roles that we're able to play as a husband and wife and that's even before you get married, mm -hmm. right? And in fact, if you're dating, you should be looking not for a man. You should be looking for a man who is already displaying the characteristics of a husband and vice versa. And so the Bible teaches us what a man looks like. The pr premier example for that is Jesus Christ. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And of course, both in the Old Testament and New, men are called to be leaders, protectors, providers, and there's all different passages in the Bible that talk about that, whether that's 1 Timothy 5, 8, 
Ephesians chapter 5 is a good husband and wife chapter in the Bible. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we see that they're called to be leaders, apostles, pastors, protectors within that community. And you want to add to that, Victoria? Yeah, so just to kind of go back to that interview, the man that was more about, you know, Bible-based belief on what man is like or what, what man should be, it's interesting because when they started getting into, I guess, talking a little bit about God, he the the guy that was interviewing asked him, so is God a man? And he said, yes. And I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, I mean, he's not wrong, but there's also female in there. Like, because God made Adam, he, he, he made him in his image and his likeness. And he pulled Eve out of Adam. But before he actually separated them, they were like, they were Adam. They were both one. So I, I mean, that's what we teach is that God. They were one male and female. That in God, it, it's all encompassing. Yes, he is referred to as a father, as a shepherd, as a gardener. And yes, Jesus came, you know, in the flesh of a man. But to to us, God is, it's a full expression of the man and a woman together when they are coming together. Well, gender aims to this dimensional earthly experience because outside of that, you know, most people even ask about having a husband or wife when you go to heaven and and it's clear you're not going to you're not going to think about gender in the same way when we go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I think it has a, a specific unique place here in in this three-dimensional world. I think this guy was giving a very theological response, which is God in the form of Jesus came and was absolutely a man. He was a biological male. And there are certain reasons, I believe, that he was a male, but I think it was also certain reasons why God impregnated a virgin. And that's because the sperm determines a lot it determines the sex of the child. It determines sort of the struggles I think that those children face. Mm-hmm. You know, the sins of a father are passed down three and four generations. And this is all in the Bible. And we inherited that sin nature. I don't believe we inherited it from Eve. We inherited it from Adam. And that's because he stood in the place that of that of responsibility. Even though it wasn't initially his fault, it was ultimately his responsibility because that was the the leadership position he had in the relationship with his wife. And so there is something to be said about Jesus being a man and he was born of a virgin and all of those things play in. And then that also speaks again to, you know, the prophetic role of a father versus the role and the function of a mother. I love one of these play on words that I use to describe the similarity yet difference between a husband and a wife. A husband's first assignment, according to the book of Genesis chapter two, was that of a gardener and to till and cultivate what was in the garden, right? In the same way, a woman is called as a helpmate in that assignment, but as he cultivates in similar fashion, she nurtures. And there are slight differences between those two. I think when it comes to cultivating, you do a lot more pruning. And, you know, when it comes to nurturing, you you do a lot more soil prep. And so even as it relates to our function in the household, not that you won't discipline our children, but I think ultimately I have to be the force that brings order to the home. Does that make sense? Well, gardener to me is like, I know from physically doing a garden, you have to oversee things, you know? You actually look at the whole picture kind of like a visionary, what we talk about men being visionaries. And that's not to say that women are not visionaries, but a gardener just oversees the whole thing. But nurturers are just as important because if you don't have the right soil, those plants are not going to thrive. In fact, they're going to die. And if they're going to die or not thrive, they're not going to produce the fruit. So both of those are uh, are in need of working together in order to be productive and actually produce fruit. Yeah, I think if we look at the garden, it's a clear picture of, you know, what God designed men to 
to operate as. We have to have good work ethic. Mm-hmm. When Eve uh, awoke from from being pulled out of him, she awoke to a man who had a responsibility to tend for the gar- tend the garden. And it's interesting the dominion mandate was separate and apart from the instructions that God gave Adam to take care of the garden, to name the animals, all of this sort of all of this these sort of responsibilities. And men as well have to have a vision for the future. I think we see that throughout the Bible. Men are drawn away by the lust of our eyes, and it just speaks prophetically to our design to become visionaries and imagine what the world can become. Women can be visionaries as well, but I think men, it it is a primary function that we have. Number three, we must be strong and resilient against opposition. This isn't just physical brute strength. This is mental strength as well. I think that we oftentimes can be susceptible to the enticement of females, and that can break us down mentally because we have this sex drive that moves our decisions. Yeah. Let me look at Samson and Delilah. You look at even Adam. It says when she was talking to the serpent and she ate, he was standing there right there with her. And it's interesting that she was talked into eating by the snake, but he was talked into eating by his wife. And so there's something to be said there. And then number four, men have to be accountable to others especially to their wives. I think at the end of the day, you are responsible for what goes on in your house. And I think that you have to be accountable to one another. And like we talked about, submission isn't dominance one over the other. It's being submitted to a mission. And so men, you have to provide a vision, a clear vision that women can submit to. There's so much more that we could talk about when it comes to men. But I think that this is a good starting point. What do you say? Yeah, for sure. Lots to cover. (laughs) Yeah. So any final thoughts about what we watched here today and what's going on in the world? And what would you say to men who are struggling with their identity? I mean, you know, first and foremost, you know, our, our identity comes from God and the biggest thing that you can do as a man is to go into the secret place and really get into the presence of God so that he can show you who you truly are. Because before you can take charge and be the visionary that God has called you to be, you have to understand who you are. And that's why we started these series about your personal identity. And we see that in marriages, you know, a, a lot of times when we counsel couples, there's such a pull on one another. And we see it's a crisis of an identity. It's They're trying to get something out of their spouse that their spouse is not capable of giving to them because they lack purpose for their own selves. They think that marriage is the next step or kids is the next step or your career is the next step or getting that raise is the next step. And that that marker gets pushed farther and further away. But true fulfillment comes in knowing who you are in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ you'll know what you're purposed to do here on this earth. And then everything else will fall into place because a woman will submit, you know, easily to somebody who has a vision and who is confident in who they are and are Christ-like. Because when you're Christ-like, your motive is not to try to dominate over somebody, but to truly serve. And that's the heart of Christ, is to truly serve one another. It's not about me dominating over Ryan or Ryan dominating over me, but it's yielding to one another because we're yielding to Christ. And so we're submitting to one, you know, and it's because we know that we have been forgiven much and we have been loved much by God and we should do the same thing to our, with our spouse. So that would be my encouraging word to all the men out there. We know that you have a lot of pressure and a lot on your shoulders. So be encouraged in the Lord. Yeah, I would say, you know, to the men out there, if you're struggling, you're not alone. So many men suffer in silence. There's a mental health crisis among men right now. Reach out, you know, text us, text me, 864-428-7131. And let me know you need prayer or support or you need to talk to someone. We can help. We can point you in the right direction. But also, you know, look at your life and the struggles that you face as an opportunity to grow. 
and become the man that God has called you to be. Crisis is an invitation to change. So if you're at a crossroads, you feel like you don't know where you belong. This is the greatest opportunity that you have to break out of the status quo and discover the kind of man of God that you can become and that God can use to bring to bring him glory and to bring heaven here to earth. You know, women are attracted to men who are decisive, men who have a vision, and those things ultimately provide security. It's not just about your physical strength, although I think that's good. I think that that can help to dispel some of the aggression that you have and have a clearer mind and being healthy physically is important and it's important it's an important part of the process of being mentally fit as well but ultimately restraint and wisdom are the primary things like wisdom is number 1 if you could ask for anything ask god for wisdom to be able to discern environments when you walk into the room to be able to know what words to say to comfort someone or what words to say to challenge those who are complacent what words to say that will speak life into your child and 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 help them to to have their identity shaped you know you have the ability to break generational curses so i want to encourage you men don't allow the challenging times to cause you to retreat and isolate yourself reach out build a community and i bet you if you were to open up and be the first one to start expressing some of these things among other men in your community you would find that they feel the same way be bold be bold to speak out and blaze the trails to help bring healing to the other men around you as well and trust me god will heal you in the process also make sure that you're following us we're going to talk more about this topic next week and dig into what is a woman what is the role of women in our society what does the bible have to say about it and i'm sure we'll have some other interesting commentary make sure you're following us like and subscribe to ne- this podcast needed conversation but s- check us out on youtube instagram at more must forever and of course we are a nonprofit we would appreciate your pr- support to help us counsel more couples we have a vision of building a retreat center We have a lot of things that God has called us to do. We're going to be hosting conferences and events that need resources to see them come to pass. So become a partner now by going to moremostforever.com and we'll see you next week for another episode.